In those days, the crest was in service to the Shade, protectors of Hartvale. There is a sense of anticipation within the crest. As mercenaries, we are accustomed to action, to movement. It's true, we enjoy times of rest and revelry. But no crest soldier is truly happy when there is nothing to be done. No, we are happier in motion. The preparations are nearly complete. As I write this, drift ships are being prepared. Supplies are being gathered. Soon we will launch into the sea beyond Hartvale once again. And this time, we are not fleeing death and devastation. We are charging headlong after our foes, ready to strike them down. I have spoken with Lethalia, and she has told me a little about these cultists and their artifacts. Their dead god brings corruption and decay. Chaos to what was once ordered. There was a time when this company was devoted to bringing order to chaos where necessary. Perhaps in this contract, we may once again hew close to our original purpose. Welcome back for another episode of Errant Adventures. As always, I'm your Game Master and Solo Player, Steve Morrison. On this week's episode, Ben and friends help Erdira kidnap the leader of the Royal Dispatch Company. Surely, it can't be this easy. Find out what happens on episode 38, Scholars and Sneaks. Last episode, we had a somewhat quiet, introspective time as Orchid and Ben had a long chat about how life isn't fair. And unfortunately, even though life isn't fair, it has to be faced. And when Ben expressed some concerns over whether or not he had lost his friend Merrick, the brewer, Orchid suggested that Ben go and talk to him. We also saw a scene of Arid and the lieutenant discussing what to do with the Vargosh artifacts, and it seemed as though the lieutenant was leaning towards keeping the claw of Vargosh for her own research and her own ends. Arid tried to persuade her against that, and she very clearly indicated to him that he had overstepped his bounds and that she was the chief sorceress of the crest. She would decide what they did with the artifact. And Arid 
retreated from the laboratory in defeat. Ben made his way to Merrick's brewery, but he arrived to see a party going on as Merrick and Percival, uh, the owner of Merrick's semi-rival brewery, were announcing that they had combined their breweries into a single business. Ben, realizing that he couldn't very well go up to Percival and Merrick and speak to his old friend with Percival being there, since Ben had already spoken with Percival under the guise of trying to buy beer for a totally different event, and uh, it could lead to some questions being asked that he didn't want to answer, and he did not want to put his friend Merrick in that position. So he made the decision to turn and leave. He returned to his apartment where Ardira, the Shade, was waiting for him. She claims to have information that a member of the Council of Twelve is in league with Efren Felhart and is currently hiding him at their estate. She asks Ben for help in exposing this member of the Council of Twelve. As Erdira explains that she is looking for help in exposing a member of the Council of Twelve, Ben stares at her and says, You believe that a member of the Council of Twelve is harboring Efren Felhart in their estate? She nods and says, Yes, I do believe that. I believe I saw him go to the estate. Ben crosses the small room and sits down on the edge of his bed and looks at her and says, All right, then, how did you find out this? As far as I've heard, this Efren Felhart has been missing for the last few days. He's been incommunicado. How do you know where he is? Erdira says, A few days ago, my aunt called a number of us operatives together and informed us that the Royal Dispatch Company was our new objective, that we were to observe and report back any strange occurrences that might be happening there. So we all went and took up different positions to watch the comings and goings of the Royal Dispatch Company operatives. And then we started to notice some activity. And and here she sort of hesitates, looks down at the floor, and then looks back up at him. And Ben sees something in her eyes that he hasn't seen from her. Weariness and a little bit of, like, leftover fear. She says, Ben, they they came for us. They knew we were there. They tried to kill us. We escaped. And we were able to get away and we even hobbled their attempts to follow us. But they knew we were there. How would they know that we were there? 
unless someone told them. Or they had some magical means of knowing that we were there. My aunt is a politician. And maybe a little paranoid. She is very cautious about the information she shares. I don't think she's told the council yet about the Royal Dispatch Company and her concerns with them. But somehow they knew. And so we gave their operatives the slip. And then a few of us tried to strike back. Nothing really came of it. But while I was making my way away from their headquarters, I saw a figure emerge in the back alleyway, and a carriage was waiting for them. I didn't get a good look at the figure, but it matched the description of Efren Felhart, and I followed the carriage. I snuck along and grabbed hold of it before it left. And it made its way through the city, out through the gates, and out to an estate in the countryside. Before it entered the gates, I slipped off the carriage, and I found a place where I could watch. And the figure emerged from the carriage and was greeted by Councillor DePeza. They embraced, kissed, and then went inside. I stayed there, Ben. I stayed there watching. And eventually, Councillor DePeza came out and got in her carriage and rode back into town, but the other figure didn't. I stayed out there for hours, watching, waiting for the figure to leave. And I saw him. I saw him walking the grounds, but he did not leave. Eventually, it became night. The carriage returned. And I slipped away to come back here to get supplies. And then I went back and I watched and I waited. And again, the counselor left. The counselor came back. But that man never left. And now with people talking about Efren Felhart being missing, even members of his own company don't know where he is. I think that has to be him. And if that's him, why is she hiding him there? Ben says, Does he fear that the Shade are coming after him now? Erdira shrugs. I don't know. It could be. It would make sense. It would be a reasonable fear since he sent people to kill our operatives. My aunt doesn't take kindly to that sort of behavior. Then my next question is, why are you coming to me? You have an entire organization's resources that you could use to drag him out into the light. Why come to me? At this point, Erdira becomes 
quiet for a moment, and she takes a deep breath, and then she says, I want to be careful, because accusing a counselor of harboring Efren Felhart, it's a dangerous game, Ben, because right now we don't have any proof that Felhart has done anything wrong, anything to endanger the city. We can't just attack him without proof. And more than that, Lady DePeza is a friend of my aunt's. She has supported my aunt in many of her endeavors. I'm worried that if I go to my aunt with this information, that she will act rashly or brush it off. But this could be our best chance to get at Felhart. Yes, he's on this estate, but I think they're hoping secrecy above strength will be his protection. As far as they know, nobody knows that he's there. We might be able to get in and capture him, and then we can get answers about what he plans for the city, why he might be involved with these Vidala. So you come to the mercenary, because you know that I will have no qualms about breaking into an estate and helping you kidnap Efren Felhart. Erdira nods. Ben considers this for a moment and then says, I think we are understanding each other better every day, Erdira. Yes, I will help you. Would you like me to find assistance from some of the other members of my company, or is this something you want to do just the two of us? How secretive does Erdira want to be? Is she willing to let someone else in? I mean, she's worked with Arid before during the Defara estate job. She's never really worked with Orchid, but I think if Ben vouches for them, she won't have a problem with that. So, I don't know, let's ask the fate chart, because I don't have a good sense as to if she's just looking for Ben's help, or if she came to Ben knowing that he would have access to resources that she doesn't at the moment. So, I think it is likely that she is here looking for help, not just from Ben, but from the crest. And so I'm going to go ahead and roll on the fate chart. We have a cast rank of seven, likely. 39 is a yes. So she says, yes, if you can get help from your friends, that would be amazing. I understand what I'm asking you, Ben. This is dangerous. And she kind of smiles a little bit as everything we do is. But I'm asking you to help me break into a counselor's estate and kidnap the head of an incredibly powerful organization. If you don't want to do this, I understand. I don't want to force you into it. 
I just thought that you might be interested to hear what Fellhart has to say. Ben nods and says, Oh yes, I would most certainly like to hear what he has to say. I would like to know exactly what he intends for the Vidala family, for these cultists and our city. I have no problem helping you, Erdira. In fact, it would be a pleasure after the challenging time that we've had. It would be nice to have a specific goal in mind, a clear objective, and pursue it. Are you looking to go tonight? Or shall I gather my friends tomorrow and we will strike tomorrow night? Erdira shakes her head and says, I don't think it's a good idea to try and go tonight. I think that if we go tomorrow night, that'll give us time to get there and observe the area. I've been watching for the last few days, so I have a good sense of what the guards are up to and their routines, but I would like for you to be able to observe it as well. Ben nods and says, very well. Tomorrow I will gather my friends and we will meet you out at that estate after dark. Erdira nods and then stands and says, Thank you, Ben. I appreciate your help. We're going to get him. And when we do, we're going to know exactly what he has planned. And then she walks out the door. All right, so we will end the scene there. And I think our chaos factor is actually going to go down to six because uh, Ben was pretty in control of that situation as it turned out to just be a conversation with Ordira. And I think because of the information that she provided, they are going into this situation with at least a little bit of knowledge beforehand. Now, before we set up our next scene, I think it's worth asking the question, is Ben going to report this to Iron Gall as a mission, or is he going to just talk to Arid and Orchid and basically do this job off the books? And I think based on what Erdira said, he is going to most likely not tell Iron Gall. So once again, let's ask the fate chart, and I think it is very likely that he does not tell Iron Gull about this job. So we'll go with the cast rank of six, and 20 is a no. No, he does not tell Iron Gull. Okay, so do we need to have a scene where he recruits them. I don't think so. I think he just goes back to the crow's nest the following morning. He finds Arid and Orchid there, and he brings them up to date with what Erdira told him the night before. I think Arid, in the wake of being sort of rebuked by Lafalia, is definitely game to do something, to get some action. Because if they can capture Felhart, 
then they can have some sort of, whether it be information source or bargaining chip or something like that, that they can use to further their mission against the Vidala. And I think Orchid is bored. And Orchid strikes me as a person that doesn't like to sit still for long. And so I think when Ben is like, hey, you want to come break into an estate with me? Orchid is like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's get to it. And the three of them are going to spend the afternoon doing, you know, crest-related work. Is there anything specific they need to do for the crest? I feel like there's a lot of waiting around right now as the captain is taking care of planning out the trip to Davinar. I think maybe the only thing that is really left open here is going to the scriptorium and delivering at least some information about Silas. Again, is that the sort of thing that we need to see that scene? Is there any information that we can garner from that? I'm not entirely sure. Let's ask the fate chart. Is there any information that they are going to glean that is going to help them in their mission when they go to the scriptorium and inform the scholars there of Silas Wilberforce's fate? I think it is very unlikely. Cast rank of six. 11. 11 is a yes. So there is something that they're going to learn when they go there. Okay, so I think that means that then we have to have a scene there. So I think our scene setup is going to be visit the scriptorium and inform them of Silas's fate. We are going to get a roll of our d10 on our chaos factor of 6. I rolled a 6, so that is going to equal the chaos factor, which means there is an interrupt scene because it is an even number. All right. So let's take a look at the event focus. 63. PC negative. Oh boy. That's not good. All right. Action. 75. Refuse. 41. Advice. Refuse advice. And it's a PC negative. Refuse advice. PC negative. So I think because we got a yes answer on the fact that there is potential information at the scriptorium that they could glean, I think the interrupt scene is that when they arrive at the scriptorium, they run into Ben's former like mentor. So let's grab a name for this guy. And once again, I'm going to roll on the human male names tables in the great book of random tables from Dice Geeks. See what I get here. Two, Thorpe, Radborn, or Seely. I like Radborn. Sounds fun. Maybe it's not Ben's old mentor. Maybe Radborn is a scriptorium official who maybe Ben didn't get along with, 
or something like that. They approach the scriptorium, which is this massive set of buildings in the scales. There are colonnades and pillars all around and this beautiful architecture. There are hedgerows that have been shaped that form the boundaries of the scriptorium. There are multitudes of walkways and cobbled stone streets that wend their way through this portion of the district. And when you walk along the paths, they wind through these beautiful gardens full of sculptures and pieces of art. There is very clearly a tall, rotund building that has people coming and going with books and scrolls and all of these things. There are students milling about and there are scholars who are walking about as well with ribbons pinned to their robes and they have metals that are of differing quality. They are walking around and talking, and there is an air of knowledge in this place. As they enter, Ben takes a deep breath and says, "Ah, It's like coming home again. Not much has changed. Arid says, You spent a lot of time here, I take it then. Ben nods and says, Yes, I spent years here, studying in the scriptorium, learning philosophy and rhetoric, learning politics, history, all of it. Orchid shakes their head and says, Sounds like a waste of time to me. All you need to know about history is that those who came before lived, died, and now it's up to us to decide our fate. As for all the rest of it, well, politics in my country is a little more informal, and they pat the axe head by their side. Ben chuckles and says, I was encouraged to get a thorough education. And then as he says that, there is a clattering of boots on the cobblestones and a voice says, Now, now, I did not expect to see you return to this place. Ben's face sort of falls a little bit and he turns and offers like a half bow and says, Master Radborn? Yes, haha, <laughs> Casayo de Mezza. Of course you would be back. And in such strange livery. Interesting. 
What brings you here? I am certain that you chose not to return to your studies, and therefore you have no place here. Master Radborn, we are returning because we came across a scholar in Valewater named Silas Wilberforce, and he asked us to escort him to a ruin that he was investigating. Unfortunately, he did not survive, and, well, I wanted to return here and at least inform someone that he is dead. Radborn looks at him and just kind of sneers and says, I see, so a mercenary now, as he looks at the crest symbol on Ben's cloak. What a waste of all that education. I marvel at the fact that we can teach these young minds all about the world, and then they throw it all away to draw blood and make coin. Truly a waste. Well, your message has been delivered, you can go now. This is a place of learning, of knowledge, not a place of blood. Ben nods once, looks at the others. The others are strangely quiet, and I think because both of them caught the name that Master Redborn said. And Ben says... Very well. We will go. Always a pleasure, Master Radborn. And he turns on his heels and walks out of the scriptorium, arid and orchid, on his heels. As they're going, he hears Radborn say, Such a shame. Once a promising student, now just another piece of rabble. And then here's the retreating clatter of boots. As they're going, Arid says, My friend, are you all right? He seemed a bit confrontational. Ben nods and says, He and I did not get along very well. He seemed to think that my family had bought my position in the scriptorium and that I was not living up to my full potential academically. Fortunately, I did not have to deal with him all that often. Orchid says, I think that guy needs to have his face punched in a few times. That'll teach him a little bit about knowledge of the world. Ben chuckles and says, you know, I thought that same thing even when I was a child. Unfortunately, it is a common sentiment in the scriptorium. Our business is a dirty one, and the scholars like to think themselves above all of that. Of course, they squabble over philosophy and rhetoric and... There have been a good number of beatings in the scriptorium over the misapplication of logic, so who can say who is in the right? Now, you see, this is what I liked about Silas and why I missed him. I never felt like he looked down on us for what we do, like he respected it. I agree. Silas was, in my experience, 
a very kind and good man. And it is sad that we were not able to save him. But we can rest easy knowing that that information has been passed to the scriptorium and it is no longer on our conscience. And Ben says, yes, I suppose so. Uh, my friends. And I think before he can finish that, Arid says, as someone who has gone by a different name and recently had to reveal that name to the two of you, I do not think you need to say anything more, Ben. We will not speak of it. It is none of our business. You will always be Ben Weinstone to me. Hi, I don't care what your name was. I'm just happy to know you. Ben offers a rare smile and says, Thank you, my friends. Now let's go kidnap a very powerful and influential person. And they make their way through the city streets towards the gates out of Hartvale. And we'll end that interrupt scene there. And uh, I think that, unfortunately, they were not able to gain any information. Thinking back to the original scene setup and then that interrupt scene of it being a PC negative, I think if that interrupt scene hadn't happened, they would have found someone who was a colleague of Silas and who might have had some more insight into either Alfheim ruins or possibly even cultic activity like the cult of Vargosh. But unfortunately, they encountered Radborn instead, and now they have delivered that information. That thread is closed, and they can continue on towards the estate of Lady DePeza. So I think our next scene setup is going to be infiltrate the DePeza estate and kidnap Efren Felhart. And I am going to raise the cast factor back up to seven because they had that interaction with Radborn and it was not something that the PCs had control of. We'll roll our d10 versus our cast factor of seven. A four, which is another interrupt scene. Okay, well, eventually we'll get to the DePeza estate. Let's go ahead and roll our event focus table. 23, NPC action. Interesting, okay. So again, we've got nine NPCs. We've got Iron Gull, Lefalia, the Vidala family, Merrick, Erdira the Shade, the Felsword, Gillen, the Kingsword, which I think could be represented in Efren Felhart, and Reinhold Philophant. So let's roll a d10 and see who it belongs to. Six, the Felsword again. So we had our last interrupt scene that involved an NPC action was also the Felsword. So those mercenaries are getting up to some action. Let's roll action and subject. 77. Deceive and 11 emotions. Deceive emotions. Okay, so I, this is going to be a super fast interrupt scene, I think, because I think what we see is a continuation of the fell sword scene that we saw before, which is 
essentially that Linford has gathered a few of his fell swords who are good with words. And he has sent them in batches to mortar at the Royal Dispatch Company to hire. And so I think the interrupt scene that we've seen here is Linford gathering these like handful, four, five fell swords together that he has handpicked for this. He explains the situation about the king's word and his friend Mortar, and the concerns that they have about what's going on inside the organization. And then we just see a montage of each of these fell swords coming to the Royal Dispatch Company headquarters, interviewing with Mortar, quote-unquote interviewing with Mortar, and then giving him basically like a pass sign so that he knows that they were sent by Linford. And then he hires them, and then we see them working in various parts of the Royal Dispatch Company. So maybe one of them is out on the street and is doing the sort of like town crier delivering the day's news. One of them is in the Royal Dispatch Company Manufactory, a series of rooms with a bunch of playwrights and others who are writing up the scripts that these town criers take out and use when they do their work, as well as various like pieces of theater or whatever it might be that get played throughout the city. And then, you know, we see all of these scenes sort of intercutting back and forth as the various fell swords are engaging and ingratiating themselves into the community of the Royal Dispatch Company. And they have successfully infiltrated the Kingsward. It's well after dark when Ben, Arid, and Orchid arrive at the DePeza estate. Lina DePeza, one of the Council of Twelve, is well known for her horse racing. That is her business and her passion. She was a horse racer when she was young, She traveled all around the world on her parents' money, racing horses in all of the major events that could be found in any place that could be reached. When she took over her family's estates, she carried on that tradition, and she is the foremost horse breeder and horse racer in Hartvale. As such, her estate is massive. There is a beautiful house that has uh, a number of fine sculptures of horses in various stages of running. There are vast gardens that can be walked through. 
It's the absolute pinnacle of opulence. And then on the far side of the estate is this massive field that has been fenced in. And there are multiple stables where occasionally you can hear the whinnies of horses on the wind. It's an impressive estate. And Ben, Arid, and Orchid find Erdira in a small copse of trees. She has a spyglass in one hand, and every now and again she holds it up to her eye and scans the perimeter. When they approach, she turns to greet them, and she says, I hope you didn't have any trouble finding the place. Ben chuckles and says, It's not my first visit to the DePeza estate. Although this will be the first time I'm breaking in. And then he thinks for a moment, he says, Well, to the house. I was a bit of a scamp when I was young, and may or may not have tried to steal a horse at one time. Ered looks at him and says, Really? That is a story I'd like to hear. It isn't a very interesting story because I got caught, and if it weren't for the fact that my parents were who they were, I probably would have had my hide tanned, and she may have let the horses trample me to death as punishment, but as it was, I was given a a scolding and sent home. Well, if you get the opportunity, maybe this time you can satisfy that useful urge to take a horse and ride into the sunset. Ben smiles and says, I think I'm quite over that urge, in fact. In the meantime, is there anything we should know, Erdira? The Shade nods and says, Yes, uh, we're actually in luck. Lady DePeza has not returned tonight, and I don't believe she will. The information that I had before I left Hartvale was that there was a late council meeting, and Lady DePeza will most likely stay in her townhouse rather than make her way out here. So we shouldn't have to worry about dealing with her when we strike and capture Felhart. That's good to know. Is there anything else? Do we know where he is? What he's doing? What the best opportunity we have to grab him? Do they? Ordira has been out here for a while, for a few days now, and she has been observing what has been going on at that estate. So I think it is likely that she would have some plan in mind. So cast factor of seven, likely 34 is a yes. So yes, she has some plan in place. The most obvious thing to me is to grab him in the middle of the night and it is most likely going to be the easiest to grab him while he's sleeping. So is the bedroom of this estate, the master bedroom of this estate, 
accessible from the outside. And I think that is also likely. 57, yes, yes it is. So she points and holds out the spyglass first to Ben, who takes it and looks through. And she says, you see there on the third floor, that balcony, that is the master bedroom. That is where Felhart and Lady DePeza have been sleeping. If we can get up there without being seen or heard, I think we can, if we catch him unawares, bind him, lower him down, and slip out with no one being the wiser. Are there any gods? I mean, I think there have to be, right? Yeah, we're just going to say it has to be. 84 is a yes. There are definitely guards present, and they are patrolling. Are there a lot of guards? I think it's unlikely. Ninety-eight, which is an extreme no. So, all right. I think that means that they are definitely trusting to the fact that no one knows that Efren Felhart is here. And so there are guards, and they do patrol at night. But this is an estate out in the country. It has a low wall, maybe, to like keep out wildlife and stuff like that. But it is in no way a fortress. And so I think... I think that Erdira says, there's a patrol, but it only comes by every half bell. Plenty of time for us to get in, grab him, and get out. All right, then that's what we'll do. And they're going to head towards the estate. So we should go ahead and make a roll here. And I think it is going to be like a shadow in the darkness. So I'm going to roll with Ben. Ben is going to make the roll, and he is basically going to lead this endeavor as he is leading them in towards the estate. Are either Arid or Orchid assisting? I think maybe. I think Arid could probably assist by rolling plus arcane to try and bring in some like fog or or something like that to help distract and help to keep them out of view. So let's go ahead and have Arid roll plus arcane. 2d6 plus 2. 4 plus 2 is 6, which is a miss. So he is not going to help out. And I think I will check my MC move table here. 33. Inflict consequences on another because of their deeds. Okay. I think these mercenaries are smart. They're not going to just immediately start charging in. They're going to wait until the patrol passes so that they have the time to get in and get back out. 
But there has to be some sort of consequence here. And since the consequence has to be inflicted on another, I think that's got to be inflicted on Ben. So does that mean that instead of getting plus one, he's going to get a minus one? Like he's got to really pick up the slack for the other two? I feel like that's a pretty, pretty intense penalty to lever against Ben. But I think it's there's something going on here that is waylaying them. So yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be a hit to his steady. So this is going to be plus one for Ben instead of plus two because of that penalty. So 2d6, eight on the dice, plus one is going to be nine. So that is a partial success. So on a seven to nine, choose one. Those looking for you position themselves within striking distance. Those looking for you mistake someone else for you. Those looking for you are distracted by something else that's equally pressing. You stumble across something interesting or important as you hide or escape. And again, that was Like a Shadow in the Darkness, which is a Black Hood-specific move that says, when you're being chased, searched for, or otherwise trying to make yourself scarce or unseen, roll plus steady. So I think they're successfully able to make it over the wall and make their way to the building. Is there something else distracting the guards, or do we stumble across something interesting or important? I want to go with it, stumble across something interesting or important. So maybe what it is, is they reach the building, they begin to climb their way up. And I think Ben is going first because he maybe has the most experience with just sort of free climbing. And then he's going to tie off a rope on the third floor so that the others can climb up as well. And so he gets up, he ties off the rope, he peers in and he sees a figure sleeping in the bed. He quietly opens the door and slips into the bedroom. At this point, I think there's light from the moon like streaming in through these big glass doors that lead out to the balcony. And he is able to see that the figure in the bed is asleep and lightly snoring. Ben creeps in and I think does a quick pass of the room. He looks around. What does he find in here that could be interesting? Does he find a journal or something like that on the nightstand? I think that sounds likely. So our chaos factor is 7. 40 is a yes. So yes, he finds a journal. He looks at it. He can't really read it because it's dark enough in here that he can't make out the details on the page. But he sort of like holds it up in the moonlight a little bit and he gets enough of a sense that it's a logbook or a journal or something and the handwriting looks 
like it probably belongs to Felhart. So he pockets that and then turns to look as the others have climbed their way up and into the room. And now Ben is going to use their eyes never open. Once per session, when you attempt to silently abduct or kill an NPC who is reasonably within your ability to reach, roll plus steady. On a 10 plus, choose two. On a seven and nine, choose one. Okay, so Ben is going to try and silently abduct the figure lying in the bed. Before I do that, because, you know... This is a show where we like to roll dice and determine things randomly. There is a question that has to be asked. Is the figure in the bed Efren Felhart? I think it's a sure thing. Let's ask the dice. 48 is a yes. Yep, it is Efren Felhart. So Ben gets a look at his face, and based on the descriptions that he has heard of the man, it looks like him. He shares some physical similarity with Captain Netheridge. Both are from Resden, and he has this like deep, ruddy skin, and he has thick, dark hair, and a beard that he keeps well-trimmed and closely kept. He is sleeping and lightly snoring. And in the interest of having a little bit of fun here, I think Orchid is going to try and assist on this as Orchid moves in to grab a hold of Felhart as Ben gags him. So Orchid is going to roll plus Fierce, which is plus three on this assist. Seven plus three is a 10. So Orchid is going to successfully assist on this. So that is going to grant Ben a plus one on his Their Eyes Never Open move. So Orchid is ready to pounce as Ben is ready to shove a piece of cloth into Felhart's mouth. And here we go. For all the marbles, 2d6 plus 3. Plus 2 for steady, plus 1 for the assistance from Orchid. Here we go. 6 on the dice. Plus three is nine. So that is a partial success. So on a seven to nine, I get to choose one. It is clean and quiet. No one sees or hears a thing. It goes exactly as planned. Your target is abducted exactly as you want. You didn't leave anything behind or you leave behind a calling card. On a miss, you don't achieve your goal and are seen or heard. Prepare for a world of trouble. All right, so we didn't get a miss, so that's all right. So I think it's... It is clean and quiet. No one sees or hears a thing. Ben shoves the bunch of cloth in Felhart's mouth, and he immediately opens his eyes and reacts as 
he feels this cloth in his mouth. But even before he can start to struggle or flail, Orchid grabs a hold of him and twists his arms around behind his back and ties off his hands and is like leaning on him so that he can't kick away or anything like that. And they bind his feet. And then the gag, you know, once it is well in place, Ben sort of like steps back and nods to Orchid. Orchid throws Efren Felhart over their shoulder and carries him to the window. They tie him off uh, with another couple pairs of ropes and slowly lower him down to the ground. Arid and Erdira, who have descended down the rope, take custody of him at the bottom, and then Orchid follows down the rope. Finally, Ben removes the knot that he tied on the rope and lets it fall. And then Ben swings his leg over the banister of the balcony and begins to climb his way down. They make it to the wall. They climb over the wall just as the patrol is starting to turn the corner around the house. And once they're over the wall, they carry Efren Felhart, leader of the Royal Dispatch Company, into the darkness. Thanks for listening to Errant Adventures, and thank you so much to Sirenscape for the lovely ambient sounds and music throughout the episode. If you enjoyed the show, please tell anyone and everyone in your life about it. And if you want to support the show directly, leave me a review or buy me a coffee at coffee.com slash errantadventures. That's ko-fi.com slash errantadventures. If you want to interact with me, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at errantsolopod, or you can email me at errantsolopod at gmail.com. I also post short fiction and campaign-related materials on my website, errantadventurespod.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.